As we know, Jesus is our Savior. He is the one who gave His life for us that we can have eternal life. He's our brother. He's our friend. And He's also our King. When you think about a king, you think of someone who sits on a throne. And Jesus alluded to, and the Scriptures alluded to, that Jesus did go to sit on a throne. As a matter of fact, when He was on this earth, He talked about, from now on, people would see Him, and He would go and be seated at the right hand of God for the power of God. Representing power. Representing the glory that Jesus should have and would have by sitting on the right hand of God. But also we know the Scriptures tells us that He did. He did go and sit on the right hand of God. When the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, He was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down at the right hand of God, taking His proper place of glory and honor and power. And then when the day the church began in Acts chapter 2, and that day of Pentecost, part of the message from the apostles was that in case anybody was mistaken about what they were talking about, and in case they might have thought they were talking about David, the apostles talked about, no, it was not David who ascended into heaven, but notice what David said. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. The Lord said to my Lord, sit here in a place of honor. Sit here in your glorified place. I mean, as you go into the Scriptures, there's all kinds of different Scriptures that talks about Jesus at the right hand of God. Here's just one example from Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 where it talks about, Therefore you have been raised up with Christ. And if we've been raised up with Christ, the premise is, seek where Jesus is. And where is Jesus? Seated at the right hand of God. And there's several other passages we can look at that encourages us to do that. The Hebrew letter, for example, mentions several times about Jesus, the Christ, at the right hand of God. There's a promise in Revelation that Jesus makes. A beautiful, beautiful promise for all of us. For He says, He, Jesus speaking, He who overcomes, I will grant to Him to sit down with Me on My throne as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on His throne. What an invitation to come someday, hopefully one day, and to sit down where Jesus is. In other words, we can enjoy the glory that Jesus is enjoying right now, where He's at on the throne. So you think about that, you think about Jesus and all these passages that talks about Him sitting on a throne... It's interesting when you go to Acts chapter 7. Now, I wish you would go to Acts chapter 7 right now. And notice how somebody else sees Jesus in heaven. This is about Stephen, and I appreciate Justin reading that section about Stephen. He was one of those seven chosen to take care of the widow's situation, and they did, so the apostles could go out and teach and preach and do the things they had to do, needed to do. Stephen was one of those seven. Then we get to chapter 7. It continues to talk about Stephen, and maybe I would guess, well, I shouldn't guess or assume, but I do assume that a lot of you would know about 
Stephen from Acts chapter 7 and know what happened to him. You know he was murdered, executed, if you will, or stoned to death. But before that happened, read with me, beginning with verse 54. It says, when they, after Stephen had given this lesson, he says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And, Je- and Stephen said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the, ri- at the right hand of God. And you might have an inquiring mind like me and asking, why this time? Of all these passages we read in the New Testament about Jesus going to heaven or Jesus telling us, I'm going to go and sit at the right hand of God. And, I, and these passages, passages that tell us He did do that. And these passages that tell us, okay, we need to seek where Jesus is, sitting at the right hand of God. And then He promises, take care of your life. Become a Christian. Live faithfully. And you can sit with me someday on this throne of glory. All of a sudden with Stephen, he's looking in the heaven and Jesus is standing. Why? Why is Jesus standing? Well, here's your sermon and your lesson today. We don't know. Thank you. We don't, we're not told. But we're not going to leave it there. I think if we go back and look at this episode with Stephen, I think we might get some evidence, some clues of maybe why Jesus at this time was standing as His faithful Christian, as His faithful follower, is having His bones broken with stones and breathing His last as people are looking at Him, hating Him. Why is Jesus standing? Let's go into this. Why is Jesus standing? Well, maybe one reason why Jesus is standing is because Stephen stood up for him. Even though he was falsely accused, Stephen stood up for him. Would you go back with me to chapter 6? And let's read this passage. Begin verse 8. Again, I appreciate Justin reading that part of some hard names in there. He didn't get to practice it, so he did a good job. Begin at verse 8 of chapter 6. And we read, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. So what are they going to do? Verse 11, Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us all. 
By the way, does that sound familiar to another story we might read in Scripture? Stephen, maybe, maybe Jesus is standing on this particular point as Stephen's looking up into heavens because Stephen stood up to false accusations. Maybe you have been one who's had things said about you that were just not true. Or maybe you've been the one that said things about somebody else that was not true. It's not fun. And it's not easy to deal with those things. And we sometimes maybe just want to lash out and just come right back at them with gossip, with, with saying something about them, maybe fist, I don't know, but to come back and do something and retaliate. Stephen didn't. And we have all kinds of different passages and people in the Bible who stood up as Stephen did. Joseph, for example, in Genesis chapter 39, uh, as he finally gets to Egypt, and making, I guess you will, a lie for himself at Potiphar's house. Potiphar trusted him. Potiphar loved him. Joseph was doing a great job. Potiphar's wife also loved him. Wanted to have relations with him. Joseph wouldn't do it. He said, how can I do this great sin? And sin against God. I can't do it. So what does Mrs. Potiphar do? Tells a lie makes up a false, false accusation, and then Joseph is put in prison. We think about Job, especially in Job chapter 22, when Eliphaz comes to Job and says, you've done something, and I'm paraphrasing, you've done something. You've had to have done something. Just repent, just take care of it. Job said, no, I didn't. Eliphaz, yes, you did. Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 37, as God is prophesying or telling Jeremiah to prophesy, look, uh, it's going to look as if the Babylonians have forgotten about you, but you need to tell the people, no, they haven't. They're going to come back. After they're through with Egypt, they're going to come back and they're going to burn everything down. So Jeremiah's going to tell the people that. He's going down to Benjamin to take care of some uh, personal matters, and as he goes down there, people start telling false accusations against him. And he's thrown into prison, thrown in a dungeon. And, and it's just not Stephen who stand up the false accusations. All these three did. Matter of fact, what about Mary? You ever thought about that? The mother of the Lord. If you look at verses 8, 18 and 19 of Matthew chapter 1, what was Joseph, after finding out that Mary is pregnant, what was he going to do? Put her away privately. And no doubt, what was mom and dad saying? What was the family saying? What was the community saying? No doubt. Oh, here we go. She's been sleeping around. She's been loose. She hadn't been. And Joseph, by divine dream, realizes that's not the truth. But even she was probably falsely accused. Think about what Jesus said on this great Sermon on the Mount. And it shouldn't be strange, as Peter talked about, it shouldn't be strange that people might be bringing things up. But in this passage from Jesus where he says, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great for in the same way they persecuted the 
prophets, uh, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's going to happen. People are going to bring up things that's just not true to, to trip you up, trip us up, excuse me, um, to get people off the true message. We need to stay strong. And maybe that's why Jesus was standing, because Stephen stood up to false accusations. Maybe also Jesus is standing because Stephen stood up to false teachers. We're not going to take the time. It's too much to go back and read verse 2 to verse 50. But if you were to read those passages, Stephen is, is, is giving a summary of some history of the Israelites. And as he's doing that, he's leading to the point of, you know, they brought these false accusations. But if you go back and read verse 2 to verse 50, Stephen's saying, okay, let's go back and look at our history. Let's go back and look at how we have acted. Let's go back and look. I'm not the only one you brought up false accusations against. You've done it against a lot of our prophets. And he talks about several. I want to talk about this. I think we know what a false teacher is. Someone who takes God's Word and teaches it falsely. Yeah, I know it's that simple, but that's it. Whether, whether they're doing it by mistake, or whether they know what they're doing, it's still a false teacher. And it's still wrong, the Scripture tells us. But how does Stephen stand up to false teachers? I just want to suggest some things. I think one way is by trusting the Word. That is, by loving the Word of God. And not just loving it, not just reading it, but studying it. And not just reading and studying it, but digging deep down inside and knowing it. As Paul told Timothy, to tell the people, study, work God's Word. You can rightly divide it. Stephen did that, no doubt. If you go back and read verses 2 to verse 50, he knew it. You go back to Psalm 119, you can see that Stephen allowed the Word of God to be his life, to be his lamp that guided him on his path, this journey in heaven, or to heaven. And you can tell he was not ashamed. He was not ashamed of the Gospel, as Paul told the Romans. He stood up for Jesus and talked about it. Now, as you're reading this, as you're reading these passages and what Stephen is doing, you can just tell God's Word was not getting in the way. It was not, as John said, burdensome. It was needed. So how did he stand up to false teachers? He trusted the Word. I think Stephen also trusted the process. That is, he knew the Word. There's no doubt about it. He knew God's Word, but he also knew how, what to do with that Word. You know, Paul, when he's talking about this, this armor of God, talks about the Word of God, the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Sometimes we need to take a defensive position. Sometimes we need to take the battle to people. When we raise up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, sometimes we just start to tell it. And he trusted that process of, of, as in 1 Corinthians 1. He took God's Word, used it as a sword, but he didn't give his opinion. 
He didn't say, well, I think this is what you should do, or I think this is what it says, or let me give you my opinion on it. He didn't give his wisdom. He gave what a lot of people thought was foolishness, as Paul would say, the message preached. But that's what Stephen used. It might have sounded foolish to some. It might have looked foolish to some, but that's what he used. He trusted the process. And how did he stand up to false teachers? By trusting the Savior. By simply trusting the Savior. We know, we already know what happened to Stephen. He's going to be murdered. He's going to be executed. But as he's doing that, he's doing something that Jesus said to do. He's denying himself. He's taking up his cross. And he's following the Lord. It's leading to a stoning. I can imagine. I can't imagine it. That's what it led to. Physically, that is. Jesus would also say in chapter 10, look, People are going to do some bad things to you. They're going to stone you. They're going to kill you. But all they can do, all they can do is kill the body. And that sounds like a lot. But they can't touch the one thing that belongs and will go back to God. They can't touch your soul. And I think Stephen knew that. So he trusted in the Savior. And he knew the Old Testament Scriptures. And one of the last things the Israelites hear is, um, in Deuteronomy chapter 31. And the Hebrew writer even talks about it. God's saying, I know you're going to go some hard times and some good times, but I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And I think Stephen knew that. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8, I think Paul wraps this up where he says, See to it that no one takes you captive. That's what false teachers do. They take you captive by philosophy, by empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the word, the world, and not according to Jesus Christ. There's all kinds of ways false teachers come at us if they're not passing the test of Jesus. And what Jesus said, we don't follow it. And we confront it as Stephen did. So maybe Jesus stood up for Stephen because Stephen stood up to false teachers. But also maybe Jesus stood up for Stephen because Stephen stood up like the faithful of old, like God's faithful. Again, if you read chapter or chapter 7, verse 2 to verse 50, you see several people mentioned that are found in Hebrews chapter 11. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and David, just to name a, a few, who are also found in what is called the the Bible Hall of Fame, if you will, by some. And rightly so, I guess. Those people who are mentioned in chapter 11 who, regardless of what happened, stayed faithful. Abraham left his home because he was faithful to God. Abraham was going to offer Isaac his only, or his son, the son of promise, by faith. So did Isaac and Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David. All these people, by faith, Follow the Lord. Regardless of where it was going to take them, regardless of how it just might have seemed bizarre, strange, not quite understanding, Lord, but they followed. They followed. Why? In Hebrews chapter 12, 
one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Where it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who are those witnesses? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, and on and on and on. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. He despised the shame and He has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We can do it. Stephen did it. All these we can read about did it. And what the Hebrew writer is saying, if they can do it, you can do it. We can do it. So maybe Jesus is standing because Stephen stood up like the faithful did of God. Another reason maybe why Jesus is standing as Stephen is looking up is because he stood up and told the truth. And sometimes it's nasty. Sometimes the truth is ugly. Look at chapter 7, give me verse 51. If you would, please, of Acts. He made this long speech, this long talk, this history, pointing him and showing them, making, it, making an illustration and making the point, look, what you did in our history, people. In verse 51 he says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you have now become the betrayers and the murderers. You have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Well, the truth hurts sometimes. But Stephen knew that God's Word was the truth. The truth. As Jesus said in that beautiful prayer in John chapter 17, it's truth. And, and Stephen used that truth to correct. He told Timothy, God's Word is inspired. It's, it's God-breathed. And, and you can use it for all kinds of things, including telling somebody and trying to correct somebody and getting them on the right path. Now the Scripture tells us we need to speak the truth in love. I'll be the first to admit, when I read verse 51 to verse 53, I'm not feeling the love. But maybe that's why we got a false sense of what love really is. Is love, is love tolerating sin? Is love knowing somebody's going down the wrong path and not saying anything? Is that love? Is love just keeping your mouth shut? Sometimes we think love is to, to, to show love to somebody. We've got to just you know, be gentle, and we should sometimes. Or just, be, you know, just watch what we say, and we should all the time. But sometimes it's okay to show a righteous anger. Did Jesus do it? Church, I'm asking you, did Jesus show righteous anger? Yeah. 
Yes. When he was, had the whip out and, and, and chasing people out of the temple, he was mad. Stephen is talking to his countrymen who he obviously loves. And he's upset. And you can read in these words in verse 51 to verse 53, he's upset. And he's telling him, I don't want to add to it, but he, I love you. But you're stiff-necked. You're ignorant. You're doing exactly what I just told you that we're, the, our fathers did. And we tell the truth sometimes, and it, it's happened to me. I've gotten mad at people before because they told me the truth. Now, once I got over it, cleared my head, I realized, okay, they're right. They need to change or I won't change. But Paul told the Galatians after he was dealing with this fact, false teachers that had come in. And all of a sudden, after all we've been through together, Church of Galatia, you counted me as an enemy just because I'm telling you the truth? I found this on the internet on, uh, I think Emily Fisher put that on, on, her, on one of her posts. Oh, by the way, I hope everybody's praying about Shane and Emily. They're doing a great work. Sorry, digress. I thought this went right along with what we're talking about here. The world has redefined the word love. Warning! It now means acceptance of all false religions, tolerance of all sinful behavior, tolerance of false doctrines, refusal to rebuke and expose anyone, never offend anyone with truth. Correct me if I'm wrong. If I am, I'll stand up tonight and take back everything I've said. But I think you know this is what now the world is saying is love. Jesus, or Paul, said this. I'm going to read all of it for time's sake, but look at this first part. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. About standing up for the truth. He says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's Word, but by the I love this statement. By the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience. By the open statement of the truth. The truth is, John 17 and verse 17, God's Word. But the open statement part is what I love. Let me ask you, what does Christianity have to hide Is there anything within our religion we need to sort of keep out of the way, not let anybody know about it, as some other religions? No. Everything Jesus did, everything the apostles did, everything about our faith, the world is supposed to be seeing. They're supposed to be knowing about it. And Paul's saying, we're not going to do these disgraceful, underhanded ways, practicing cunning or tampering with God's Word. We're just giving an open statement of truth. And maybe... Jesus is standing for Stephen because he did that. He stood up for truth. Then there's one final thing. And this one blows my mind. I would like to think I would do it unless I'm in those shoes. I don't know. I'm not going to be so presumptuous as to think I could or I would. But the last thing I want to talk about and maybe why Jesus is standing up for Stephen 
because Stephen stood up for the lost. He is looking up. Stones are coming at him. Bones are breaking. Blood spurting out. Taking his last breath. And look at verse 59 of chapter 7. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down, Stephen did, and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And then I love how the Holy Spirit says, and then he fell asleep. That is a beautiful, beautiful passage. Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Could you do that? Think about it. I'm telling you right now, I don't know. I don't know. People have that much hatred for me. And he can sit in their eyes and what they are probably saying things and cursing him and probably cursing his God and cursing Jesus and throwing these stones in the... And he said, God, Lord, don't charge this to them. Stephen loved his country. And he loved his fellow man. And he didn't want anybody to go to hell. And you know what? We don't know. We're not told. Is it possible? Maybe. I mean, his family was there. In this mall. He had friends there. Witnessing all this. Hearing all this. But you think about what Stephen's doing and what, what was the mission. There's a lot of things Jesus came to do, but he summed it up in one verse. Jesus summed up his entire reason for coming to this earth, to walk on this earth, to go through what he did, to seek and to save who? The lost. If only. If you would, go back to Acts chapter 2, please. If only this crowd would have been as receptive as those in Acts chapter 2. If you can stay with us a few more minutes, I promise I'll, I'll be quick. In Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the day the church began, the apostles stood up, endued with power from on high, as Jesus had promised, led by the Holy Spirit. Some confusion what's going on. Verse 14, but Peter standing up with the eleven, begins to preach this great message, and he goes back to Old Testament prophet to Joel, and says, here's what's happening. And he goes and starts talking about Jesus, and what Jesus did, and how, he, and how by miracles and wonders and signs, God proved that Jesus was His Son. God proved that Jesus was the Christ, and how He died, and how... And Peter and the Apostle said, y'all murdered Him. The Son of God came, and you murdered Him. But the grave couldn't keep him. And God brought him back for glory and took him up to heaven to sit on the right hand, on his right hand. And when they finished that, verse 36 tells us, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? You know the same thing is said in Acts chapter 7? After Stephen had got done, they were cut to the heart. 
But they didn't ask the question, oh, what are we going to do? The stones stopped dropping on him. But here in chapter 2 of Acts, what are we going to do? Peter says, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's going to say the promise is for everybody. Verse 40, in many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse, this crooked generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. Jesus, as Stephen is looking up to heaven, and they're pelting him with stone, and he's dying, he sees Jesus standing. And maybe it is because Stephen stood up, though falsely accused. He stood up to false teachers. Or he, 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 he was like God's faithful. Or he stood up and he told the truth. Or he stood up for the lost. Maybe that's why Jesus was standing. Does anybody see anything... Familiar here? In all five of these things that Stephen did? Maybe Jesus was standing for Stephen because Stephen stood up just like Jesus did. Jesus was falsely accused. Jesus was sinless. They couldn't find anything to accuse him of, so he didn't make a statement, yeah, I'm going to see this temple. Well, I tell you, it's going to be torn down and rebuilt in three days. Well, you know what Jesus was talking about. They took that and made a false, made a lie out of it and falsely accused him. They had to find people to lie about it. Maybe that's what, maybe that's why Jesus is standing up. Because Jesus was falsely accused. And just as Stephen took on false prophets and false teachers, Jesus did that. Scripture after Scripture talks about how Jesus stood up to false teachers. Sometimes he would talk about how they were uh, sheep or wolves in sheep's clothing. Or sometimes, like in Matthew chapter 23, he told them to their face, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees! Woe to you, hypocrites! Maybe that's why Jesus is standing. Maybe Jesus is standing because just as Stephen acted and behaved like the faithful, Jesus was faithful. Jesus was attacked by Satan himself out in the wilderness. Jesus was attacked by the religious government of his day. Jesus' countrymen abandoned him and betrayed him. One of his own, Judas, betrayed him, turned his back on him. All the other 11 apostles abandoned Jesus and ran. And he was beaten. And he was spit on and he was tortured, and he was executed. And as Peter stated, and this must have, a, this must have been something to Peter to write about, because we know Peter was one who would retaliate. Jesus, Peter writes, Jesus never, even though he was reviled against, he never gave it back. He never retaliated. As Scripture says, as a lamb to the slaughter. The second Timothy, as Paul told Timothy, Look, we may be faithless, but Jesus is not faithless. He can't deny Himself. He can't deny who He is. 
Maybe that's why Jesus was standing. And maybe Jesus was standing just as Stephen told the truth. Jesus told the truth. Read the Gospel of John. It's all about Jesus and the truth. Read the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus telling the truth. Then as Jesus stood up, or Stephen stood up like Jesus, maybe Jesus is standing just as Stephen cared for the lost. Jesus spoke up for the lost. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. I tried to make the case and Stephen made the case that Jesus is worth dying for. We may not get look up into heaven as we die, even if we're persecuted. We might not see Jesus, we might not see that vision, but if we're faithful when we die, we'll see Him, and we'll share in His glory. And as whatever happens in our life, when we do die, we can just fall asleep and be peaceful about it, knowing that heaven is our home. If you need help this morning and heaven is not your home, let it be known right now. And we'll help you as we stand and sing.